Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to be talking about righteousness and wisdom. How many of you have ever desired wisdom in your life? I mean, you just want to know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and know and hear the voice of God in your life. We're going to pray, then we're going to go ahead and get into the scripture. But I want you to lift up your hands and just make this your prayer together. If you want to hold hands with your family, go ahead and hold hands with your family. And we're going to make this our prayer and say with me like this. Lord Jesus, we agree today that we're going to surrender our thoughts. We're going to consecrate our affection. We surrender to you right now. Let your spirit give us understanding. Let the word of God be made simple and plain. And we'll go home and use it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody give God a strong ovation and tell him thank you ahead of time. Turn to your first choice and tell them it's going to be good. Give them a high five. Tell them it's going to be good. Turn to your second choice and tell them you better pay attention. You better take notes. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for doing that. There is some principles in the Bible that are going to help you hear the voice of God. If you'll take notes today in your syllabus or on your phone, tablets, whatever you might have, um, you're going to learn something today, I believe, that will help you get answers. How many of you want answers? How many of you have ever said, again, how many of you have ever said, if I only knew God, would you just tell me what to do? Just tell me what decision to make. I'm going to tell you how to hear that voice and teach you today how to hear that voice and understand where it it comes from. First of all, the obvious, it comes from God. God has wisdom beyond even our capability, comprehension. He's called the ancient of days for a reason. Um, He was here before we were even thought of. No one formed him. No one made him. God was in existence before existence. If you can figure that out, talk to me after church because you're smarter than me. Well, most of you probably are smarter than me anyways, but I had to learn the hard way. I I had to go through life stubbornly, going through life. I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised in church. You know that little little percentage of people I said that had never touched alcohol or did drugs? And that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I was the son of a nightclub owner. My daddy came here in the late 70s and built a convention center called Riverside Convention Center. It was by the park, and we walked away from that lifestyle after God healed my brother of cancer. And all of us started living for God, and I was the first in my family to be called into ministry. And had no idea I'd be speaking up here to you all today. We started in our home with four people. And it's been a journey, but along the way, you learn how to hear God's voice. You learn how to hear that sweet, sweet, soft, gentle inclination of the spirit. And there's a lifestyle that has to happen in your life in order to 
see it happen. I want to give you truth today and understanding that will help you. And I'm going to just speak from the words of a king and a father speaking to his son. I'm going to read you the second chapter of Proverbs. We're going to go through this very quickly and just stop it. I'm going to just kind of commentate just for a moment, give you a point, show you an illustration, get another one down and do it the same way. So this is going to be very systematic for the reason of teaching. And I want you to grasp this. Let me begin by saying God has the answer and the word of God has the answer for everything. I can honestly tell you that with confidence and say that after years of living for God and years of pastoring, I can tell you this year I'll be 50 years old and I thought I knew more when I was in my 20s. And now fixing to be 50, I realize I know nothing. But God knows everything. So I don't have all the answers. I have just become a son to someone who does. I'm going to say it again. The secret is becoming a son to the one who has the answers. Like on your phone right now, you have a number of contacts. And how many of you men can say when someone brings up a problem with the car or carpentry or electrical and you can honestly tell somebody, I got a guy. I know a guy. Well, I'm going to tell you, I know a God. His name is Jesus. He has the answers. And he moved through a king years ago. And in the beginning of King Solomon's reign, he had so much understanding and so much wisdom. And it was considered, he was considered to be one of the wealthiest men that ever lived on the face of the earth. And there would be none greater than him when it came to wealth and wisdom and this is the advice he gave at the beginning of his reign. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 says, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Notice the emphasis on keeping. He didn't say just obey, but treasure my commands. In other words, you have to find the value and the instruction that he is giving. It's worth its weight in gold. Cry out, he says, turn your ears to wisdom. Turn your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Now, concentration is one thing that we have a problem with today in our society. And I'll tell you why. Because technology has caused us to just lose focus or concentration on things that really matter. Entertainment has caused you not to concentrate. You can watch a movie and not really concentrate and let them tell you the story. Act it out and so forth. And it's just called entertainment because it stops, it entertains your mind and you don't have to really think. But when you are studying something and you want insight, the wheels have to turn. And you have to begin to try to understand everything and look at it from a different perspective. And, and so when the writer is trying to tell us, tune your ears to wisdom, tune your ears, in other words, like a radio, tune your ears, like a, like a broadcasting system, which most of us don't even know about because the phones have taken care of all of that. 
But I will tell you, if the towers go down, you'll know about it. <laughs> Tune your ears. And it's not talking about this ear with your lobes. It's talking about your spiritual insight and understanding. You're going to care about somebody's opinion. You're going to care about it. And it needs to stop being the person on the other end of the line. It needs to be the one on the line that you can't see. It needs to be in prayer. And concentrate on understanding. And concentration, I guess if I were to explain concentration to you, it would be a much like, ladies, when you are going to the store and you have to buy cleaners, uh, you are buying something to save you money, so you buy the concentrated form of whatever you want to mix with water to make your dollar holler, right? You want to make more money, make your money stretch, so you save, you budget. Well, when you concentrate yourself, you are concentrating body, soul, and spirit. You're concentrating everything to give it to one attention to get the most you can out of it. If you can learn how to focus, you can start getting understanding. And here's how I would say, and you can write this down. When God has your attention, you have his attention. Write that down. When God has your attention, you have his attention. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Notice it didn't say just ask. It said cry out for insight. In other words, when you begin to talk to God, there has to be some emotion involved. If you really want something, you'll begin to lift your voice and cry out. Like my grandbaby. I know when Selah really wants something, she cries for it. Like your children. Like you. <laughs> You're grown-ups, but how many of you still cry out for something when you really want it? I mean, you like lift, lift your voice. You demand. You want something. I mean, you do it, don't you? I, you don't do that still? If I want something, I'll tell you, I'll, say, I'll make everybody know. Hey, I want this. This is what I want today. I let everybody finds out about it. Because you really want something. You desire something. Well, with God, God is trying to tell you, don't just sit there and be nonchalant about it. And don't just be passive about it. If you're going to ask, ask me. Give your heart to it. Give me some affection. Show me that you really want me. Search for them, it says, as you would find, as you would for silver. Seek for them as hidden treasure when you're looking for wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. Look for them like everything that's valuable to you. That's the mindset. I'm trying to give you a mindset that you have to get a revelation and an understanding that the wisdom and the understanding of God is more valuable than any treasure in this world. Wisdom can do for you what money can't. Wisdom will do for you and understanding will do for you what an education can't buy. The wisdom of God far surpasses any strategy that you get from a textbook. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. 
Why is that? Why would you understand now when you have wisdom and understanding the fear of the Lord? I'll tell you one reason why. One reason why is because you begin to see the repercussions of making a bad decision versus making a good one. And when you start making good decisions and you see the fruit of your decision making, you're going to start wanting to do more good decisions. Now, there are great decisions, good decisions, and then there are God decisions. I would rather have God decisions than a good decision. I want to know what God thinks about everything. And I want to know that if I do make a decision outside of the will of God, I want to know, I, I, I have to know what it feels like. So why? So I don't do it again. You have to learn. How many of you have, can honestly say you've made some bad decisions in your life? And how many of you can honestly say that you'll, you're pretty sure you're not going to make them again? How many of you have been stubborn enough to make them again? Okay. We have to learn the hard way sometimes. And I want you to recognize I raised my hand with you. Okay, I'm part of this dumb group right now. <laughs> well, you're not smart for doing it over and over. Neither am I. We're human. We make mistakes. But when it sticks with you, and you know, let me, let me tell you something. There is nothing like seeing a God decision made and seeing the fruit of it. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see the fruit of God being fulfilled. For the Lord, let me just give you this. For the Lord, verse 6, grants wisdom. The Lord grants wisdom. How many of you have ever had a grant in school given to you in college? Did you know that God will grant you wisdom and there are no strings attached and you can keep getting grants, keep getting grants, keep getting grants, keep getting grants. Isn't that wonderful that you just start up? What do you got to do? You have to apply. Apply yourself. Apply yourself. Wisdom is unlimited with God every single day. You're not going to bankrupt heaven. You're not going to get a text message on your phone saying, sorry, God is out of wisdom today. Try back tomorrow. God's wisdom is unlimited. And listen to this. Listen to this. He also, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He also grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. Let's just pray for that right now. Common sense right now. Lord Jesus, common sense on every single person here right now. Everybody say amen. Now, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He guards the paths. Listen to this now. This is righteousness. You, if, you're, if you're tuned in, you can recognize he's speaking of righteousness. He guards the paths of the just, protect those who are faithful to him. He's guarding you from unrighteousness, bad decisions. Then you will understand what is what? Right. Just and fair. You see, justice dwells with righteousness. Fairness. Equality dwells with righteousness, the righteousness of God. Not your righteousness, God's right standing with himself. What does that mean, Pastor Bobby? The only reason why you and I are righteous was because of the blood of Jesus. Isn't God good to make us righteous in his eyes just to look down and say, they're righteous, but I made them righteous, but he's not taking, I mean, 
but you still get the credit. We still get the credit. Did you know that you're sitting here because of what Jesus did and he's blessing you? And he's imparting into you understanding and wisdom and knowledge. And then he's putting your family together and he's blessing your business and he's blessing all of your endeavors. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on and it never stops. It's all because of him and that he's protecting you. For those who are faithful, there's a caveat to him. If you're not faithful to God, God, did you know that God is still faithful? He's faithful in mercy. He's faithful in his grace to beat you and to help you. But to get to that next level of understanding, you have to stay faithful yourself. Then you'll understand what is right, just, fair, and you will find the way, right way to go. Then you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. And this is where it happens. I just read it to you. When you begin to stay on the right path, paths of righteousness that God gives as King David wrote he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake not for your sake not because you're good but because he's good his namesake and he keeps you in those paths then when you're on the right path God gives you wisdom from above not wisdom in this world you may even be in a situation right now where you don't have the answers. You don't know how you're going to do it. You don't know what to do. But God says, that's easy. You still got to move. You think you have no moves, but God says you, you, you missed something. He's got an arrow view of the chessboard, and he's looking down at you, and you think you're in check. But God says, you're, you're, I got one more move for you. God will create a move. God will send somebody. God will open a door. God will violate the rules. God will defy logic. That's what you call a miracle. God's still got to move. Don't give up. Point number one, righteousness allows wisdom to enter your heart. Righteousness allows wisdom to enter your heart. I want to encourage you right now by simply telling you that to be obedient to God and follow him may require for you to walk alone sometimes. But just because you're walking on a path alone doesn't mean you're walking down the wrong path. And sometimes it takes a while for you to realize that there are more for you than there are against you, but there, but there are. There is. There be. They're there. You don't realize this. You know, the apostle Paul felt this way, and he said, God told him, he said, don't leave, don't give up. He said, There's, I got much people in this city, much people. I remember when we started this church, we had four people, and then we went to the hotel, grew it up to 25, and moved here in this one little building right here for, with 25 people, no air conditioning, no nothing, and we were just like, God, God, there's got to be more. And I remember the Lord speaking to me, give me that scripture, I've got much people in this city. i got much people in this city. People you haven't met. And it's not over. There are way more people in this county and people. But I want you to know you're not by yourself. It may seem like you're walking by yourself, but you're not by yourself. One with God is majority. 
But look at this slide. This is kind of what I'm trying to tell you. When it comes to the culture, most people follow and try to chase after the cheddar. They try to chase after the almighty dollar. And really it says that's the root of all evil, and that's the drive for most people. That's why most people want to fit into the culture, and they get inherited worldly wisdom. And if we're not careful, I just want to tell you this as a parent and a grandparent. It was weird to say that, but as a grandparent, um, if you don't teach your kids in your home, you're going to send them out to be trained by somebody else, and they'll change your home. Let me say it to you this way. You want to know where we went wrong in America, in my opinion? In my opinion, is children started raising parents by the culture, by the songs, by the friends, by the surroundings, and started throwing a fit in a temper tantrum. And parents are like, oh, my God, enough. Yes, you can have it. It got quiet. <laughs> My God. Really? Not me. Quick, baby, quick. You weren't raised unless you were raised in a house with wooden chanclas, wooden ones. Not dollar store ones, wooden ones. Oops. I don't need it. It's okay. So... Worldly wisdom is where the crowd is moving. It's where you go to fit into the flow. It's where you go not to get into arguments or not look different. It's, it's, it's the advice that you take from people who are nowhere near the cross. It's, it's, it's the perspective of a culture that is looking at the point of pleasing people. or It's the place where, you know, you don't want your children to be bullied because they're godly or they don't do certain things or go certain places or, do, you know, it, it, it can happen. It can happen very quickly. But what I do want you to understand is, is that when you begin to follow after the king and understand that God gives you his godly wisdom in this world, it almost seems as if you're walking separate and alone. And it almost seems as if you have no friends. But let me tell you, this person, they didn't lose friends. They just found out who their real friends were. I'm going to say it again. This person or this individual that follows after God finds out who their true friends are when they begin to follow after God. And don't worry about who your friends are going to be because God has a lot of friends. I got more friends now than I ever had in high school. We had a lot of friends in high school. I mean, I was the son of a nightclub owner. Everybody came to me because I had free beer. I, I know I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to be saying that stuff. But I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you, I wasn't raised in church, and I, I know what that lifestyle is all about. I know how to have a lot of good friends. I know how to be popular. I know how to fit in. I know that it, you can go broke real quick trying to keep up with everybody. But I'm so glad God delivered me and saved me. God. I mean, I love going to Goodwill. I love shopping for him. I don't, I just, my kids do too. I just don't, I don't care. I mean, you know what? Nothing borax can't clean. <laughs> Thrifting's wonderful. How many ladies like thrifting? Nothing wrong with being frugal. Nothing wrong with it. 
But I will tell you, if you're stuck in this culture, you're going to go broke trying to please everybody. You will. In many ways. In your house. In your car. And then you're blinded by this path of keeping up that you can't even have a budget in your life. And you really are detached from reality. And then you can't make sound decisions. And you're not listening to the voice of God. You're hearing the voice of men, people. At some point in your life, you're going to have to decide who you're going to follow and whose voice you're going to hear. You have to. The daily walk with God and even the daily grind in your life will exponentially go to the next level fast and quick and so favorably when you walk with God and invite him into your day. It's the day-to-day that needs to be practiced, the day-to-day. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And it's how you continue and do day-to-day things. See, most of us will go through cycles of living for God sometimes, Sometimes we'll go through these cycles of I'm going to this week, I'm giving it everything or or this weekend. Today is God's day. And always people say this, you know, Sunday, that's the Lord's day. You'll argue with your boss. I'm not going to work on Sunday. It's the Lord's day. What happened to Monday? Isn't that the Lord's day, too? Every day is holy unto the Lord, right? Like I said, keep looking straight. Don't give yourself away. The moment you went like this, the moment we all knew it was you, don't do that. (laughs) Gave yourself up. Listen, every day belongs to him because you belong to him. It's more than the day belonging to God more than you. It's who's in the day. Like, you know what's going to make heaven heaven? Who's there? That's what's going to make heaven heaven. Jesus is there. That's why it's heaven. If God wasn't in heaven, why would you want to go there? Am I right? It's what makes your mortar and brick and mortar a home is the people that live in it. Without the people in it, it's not your home. It's a building. It's a structure. Everything has to do with relationships. So everything considered in your life before you make a decision, you have to tie it to the people that matter. And above everyone in your house, God matters the most. But here's the, here's the thing. God cares about your life more than anybody. He, he has your best interest at heart. So I'm going to go to him to help me make my decisions for my family. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to abide by his principles, and I'm going to listen. And when things don't look that way, I'm going to consider that whenever I begin to make decisions and choices, I have to consider, is God in it? Not, can I get there and ask God to get in it after I'm there? Right? That's called catch-up prayer. How many of you have ever done catch-up prayer? Like, make a decision and then pray, God, be in this thing. Bless this thing, God. Bless my decision. When God said, you went left, I told you, turn right. (laughs) You know, you want to get it right, get a U-turn, right? Turn around. You can always turn around. Aren't you glad God allows U-turns, you know? 
Isn't this medium in Victoria kind of frustrating sometimes? I'm just glad that we got U-turns around here. I'm glad they didn't do away with that because I'm doing them all the time. <laughs> Quick. I'm doing U-turns every day. How many U-turns do you do in a day in Victoria? But God, let me listen, let me tell you, God allows those turns in our life because he knew we were going to make decisions. It's called the cross. It's called the cross. The cross allows us to turn back around and start over. It's never too late to start over. No matter where you're at with your walk with God, you can start over today. You can start over today. Why would you give up on a God who is so gracious and so merciful to give us a chance after chance after chance after chance? He's just waiting on us to get it together. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11 says this. Now, let's go to the next one. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Now, when I read this, don't picture yourself. Picture everyone in your life with you. Because you know what? Your decision will determine the outcome for everybody connected to you. How many of you are married? Raise your hand. You're married. You got your spouse with you. Person sitting next to you, my wife's right here. That decision we made changed, altered our life forever. One decision. One decision will alter your life, can alter your life forever. So it's very important to trust God and go to him for wisdom, understanding. And the secret I'm trying to give you is, is when you walk with him daily and he infuses you with his righteousness to be in right standing with him through his spirit, and you leaning on his understanding and not yours, he gives you the ability when the time comes to make a wise decision from that same source. But you got to stay on the path. Watch this. Wisdom will save you from evil people. For all of our single people. Well, I could say a lot, but I'm just... Well, I'm going to say one thing. Yeah, just one, just one. But Pastor Bobby, he's got a nice car. <laughs> got a nice car? Are you kidding me? You're basing a relationship off of a car and some kicks? How does he treat his mama? That's all I wanted to say. So, and guys, how does she treat her daddy? Listen to this. Wisdom will save you from evil people and from those words and those whose words are twisted. These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong. They enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked and their ways are wrong. Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman here. From the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. Now he's using the type. Now what you need to understand about Proverbs, Proverbs uses wisdom and speaks of her as a person in first person. And then uses a seductive woman to speak about another type of analogy, which is, I believe, carnality and foolishness. But this woman with seductive words, promiscuous woman, she has abandoned her husband. She has no moral values. Ignores the covenant she made before God. Has no conviction. Entering her house leads to death. It is the road to the grave. 
The man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the path of life. Follow the steps of, a, of good men instead. And that's what our, our world needs, more good men. Men are looking for better methods, is what Ian Bounds says. And he also said, but God is looking for better men. We're always looking for better ways, but God's looking for better men. Become better, and best comes. He will never reach the paths of life. Follow the steps of a good man instead. Stay on the path of the righteous. Stay on that path. For only the godly will live in the land. What land? The land that God has promised you. Your inheritance. Your future. Land represents value, inheritance, and wealth. Anytime you own land in the scripture, when God blessed the patriarchs and God blessed them, he he blessed it with the greatest possession they could have, land. Because in the land is also resource, wealth. So think about that for one moment. Wherever you're at, to accumulate even wealth in your life, you have to understand it only comes by staying on the right path and by God giving you wisdom. For the godly will live in the land. Those with integrity will remain in it. Those with integrity will remain in it. But let's look back at the woman. That temptation came with flirtation. Number two, the second point I want to give you is this, and this is the warning. This is how you know. Sin is flirtatious, seductive, and appealing. Everything that feels good, looks good, you got to check it. You can't go by feelings because if it feels good, doesn't mean it is good. This is exactly how the devil seduced Eve and how Eve seduced Adam. And we think that when we think of sin, we think of evil, we think of a devil with horns, hooves, and some bat wings and teeth like a Rottweiler. But can I show you what, that's not sin. The devil isn't sin. He's the tempter. Sin is what you conceive by what you think looks good. And he paints a good picture for you, all of us, and tries to tempt us to something that is appealing. Can I show you what really brought the fall, at least the closest thing I can find, that what brought the fall to humanity? Would you like to see what caused the fall of humanity? Is right here on this slide. Let me show you. Now, we don't know if it was an apple in the Garden of Eden. I think maybe it was more of a pomegranate for me. Now, they're part of the region. It could have been an olive branch. could have been an almond branch. could have been anything. I don't know, but this is probably the depiction that you think. I mean, I'm sure that apples weren't in the Garden of Eden. Maybe there was, but to my guess, this is just something that comes close to the description. Looks appealing. Nothing wrong with it. Was it the fruit that made it bad or the fact that God said don't eat it? There's so much debate in the world today about alcohol, marijuana, or anything that comes from the earth that men have perverted and fermented from its original state to alter its existence chemically as well. 
and we use the excuse, well, it must be good because God made it. I mean, do you eat everything that comes out of you? What are you thinking about? I don't know. I'm thinking about dishes making on the kitchen. What are you thinking about? <laughs> you get the point, though, right? Okay. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that everything, everything that looks good doesn't mean it's right. Even the things that God has made. I mean, water is a wonderful thing. Water can save your life, but, you know, it has to be contained. It has to be dealt right because if I dropped you in the ocean, now water's become the, ex, the actual thing that's going to take your life away. You can drown in water, but you can also drink it. So you have to determine what it is by using common sense. Common, good old common sense. Good old common sense. Common sense will give you further than an education will. There's a lot of people that have knowledge and have great degrees but have absolutely no common sense or wisdom. In fact, most of the millionaires that I know of that I'm friends with, even that I have talked to in the past or have read about, most of them did not have a college degree. Now, I'm not talking about for those of you that are sending your kids to college that have professional you know, it, uh, desires to become a doctor, a lawyer, and all that. You need that. You need to go to college. You need to pursue that. You need to be taught. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, but I'm just telling you, uh, all that knowledge without wisdom doesn't matter. And wisdom comes from God. True wisdom. There are two types of wisdom that you'll deal with in this world. There are two types of wisdom, and you're going to hear it all the time. You're going to hear it all the time. And many times when we begin to look at these things, we have to begin to discern what kind of wisdom is this? What kind of fruit is it? Where is it coming from? I want you to listen to this. I don't have it, but I want someone to read this to me. James chapter 3, verse 15. Find that real quickly. Go ahead. I want you to read it out to me. James chapter 3, verse 15. By the way, that's Raymond. I have him on the roof. <laughs> Sorry, Raymond. Just, oh, just tore my sheets. Okay. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him, show, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness, meekness. of wisdom. Wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, yes. do not boast and lie against the truth. No. This wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Okay, hold on right there. Earthly, sensual, demonic. There are two types of wisdom. You can call somebody wise, but their source is sensual, evil, and demonic. I mean, their motive is wrong. The motive is wrong. Even the devil tempted Jesus and said, hey, listen, you look at everything out there. I, I'll give it all to you if you bow down and worship me, who is not the true God. The devil wanted Jesus to take a bite out of forbidden fruit. The biggest lie that came to Adam and Eve was the fact that the devil told a half-truth. 
said, if you're going to be like God, then eat from the tree. And in fact, they already were like God. He said, to know good and evil as God, to know it. In other words, in that moment, it was a half lie because they already had it good. All they knew was good, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the favor of God. Now, if they ate from that, they would be like God in the sense of knowing evil, but from a human perspective. Because they didn't know evil before. All they knew was the goodness of God. Now they would experience evil and know what it felt like, but not like God, because God can see evil but can never be tempted. So they would be tempted by evil. Getting off path, listening to the wrong counsel, is a matter of knowing where your blessings come from and who has your best interest. Go ahead, keep on. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Yes, self-seeking. Did you know in the demonic church, satanic church, that is the number one belief system is self-seeking. It's all about seeking yourself. Selfishness is one of the worst forms of worship. Let you think about that for a while. Go ahead. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Pure from above. God is pure. His spirit is pure. His motives are pure. There are no strings attached. He does it because he loves you. Pure love. Then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who hope peace. Thank, thank you, Ray. Here's, here's what you have to understand. When God gives you wisdom, there are certain attributes that come with that wisdom. You'll know God is giving you the answer when God is in it in character, in nature. God is love. Because you can look at certain decisions that are made, and if, if it's chaotic and trouble and drama, God's not in that. I'm going to tell you right now, when you make a decision and it's nothing but trouble, God's not in it. Now, I'm not talking about struggle. I'm not talking about fighting for your right to exist. I mean, because God gave Canaan land to the Israelites, but there were Canaanites in it. But God shown them favor. And they were able to take every city except for the one where they did not allow God and got off the path by letting their flesh sin when Achan took the treasure hid it under his tent they lost to an army that was smaller than the first one they defeated and they couldn't figure out so Joshua had to pray for wisdom why understanding what's going on and he told them someone sinned now there's confusion now, in order, because someone made a wrong decision. You want your house to be blessed? Start making right decisions, and it starts from the top. It starts at the top, all the way down. Even if, listen, they didn't know Achan had taken the treasure. It was hidden. Don't think, and just keep looking forward, okay? 
Don't think because you make a bad decision and the doors close and no one can hear that God doesn't see or hear himself. You will bring negativity. You'll bring weird spirits into your place. Whatever you entertain in private, you'll begin to see them affect your children and your home. And that peace will live when you dishonor God. But thank God he gives us a chance to repent, to honor him again, to worship him, to get rid of that stuff. I want to say this very clearly because I never thought I would have to say it as much as I have in the past few years. But please do not entertain witchcraft. Those crystals do nothing but attract spirits that will bring a curse in your life. You think they're doing you good? You're getting more depressed with it. All those charms, all those chants, all those cantations, all the juju, all that. I know all about this. I'm telling you right now, get rid of that cauldron. It's not going to, look, you're going to use it for something. Make one noodle. Make a good salsa in Jesus' name. <laughs> stuff is going to do nothing, but you just brought a gateway into your family, think it's going to work. You've been watching too much Harry Potter. Get out, Harry Potter. It's Arthur Resorts. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Get out of here. Jesus' name, Tonto. He's crazy. Crazy. I'm going to tell you the third thing and the last thing. The devil knows exactly what you want to hear. He knows exactly what you want to hear. He knows exactly what you want to hear. Be careful when you get around people that all they tell you is what you want to hear. I try to surround myself with men and women who can be honest with me but loving at the same time. I don't hang around people that are always negative because then they don't, it, it doesn't do me any good. I don't like being around negative people. I just don't. I don't like being around everybody that finds the wrong in something without a solution. There's nothing wrong with finding the wrong about something, but you got to find this and be the solution. And I also tell our staff all the time, if you're going to find something wrong, be part of the solution, not just complain. It's not a leader. Definitely not a servant. But people will tell you, I get very uncomfortable when people start praising me all the time. I get Pastor Vave, you're so wonderful. Oh, please stop. Like, stop right there. Such a wonderful speaker. Listen, dude, I know I'm not a good speaker. I'm Latino, but I'm not a good speaker. For those of you who understand that joke, Stick around a little bit longer. You'll understand. I have a passion. I desire to do a good job. I want to serve. I love people, and I want to help people. But I have nothing good to say except it's been given me from God, and I stay in prayer, and I'm nothing, and you are either without him. 
I have no power. We have authority. In Jesus' name, the power flows from heaven. So you need to find the one who has the power. My job in this church is to introduce you to the one who's anointed every human being in this world, even throughout history. You never put, listen, don't disrespect, if you're visiting from another church, don't disrespect that man of God. Don't talk bad about that man of God because God's going to bring, he won't bring a blessing in your life. He'll bring a curse in your life if you do. I do believe that. And and, and, mm, here it comes. Here it comes. You want to know why your children don't like church? Because you go home and talk about the church. Did I say something? If you want your children to love church, find the good in the church. You want them to respect the man of God, start talking good about what he does right. Honestly, I've never talked bad about any of my pastors. I never will. I know what it does, but I pray for my pastors. I have pastors. I have three. Well, I had two now. The third one passed away, but I had a... I had a pastor, his name was Bishop Green. He was one of the most influential men of God I've ever known in my life, and he was so humble. But he always told me what I needed to hear, not always what I wanted to hear. He was very honest with me, but I knew he loved me. He called me his son. I preached a conference one time, and I met this man that was preaching at the same conference. He was the morning speaker. I was one of the other evening speakers. And when we met, and when I walked up to him, our spirits just connected. I had no idea he was this influential in ministry. If I called out names, you'd know all these names. And he was their pastor. Somehow he saw me, and we connected. And God gave me, for the first time in my life, gave me a spiritual father. I'd never had one. I'd never had one. I was in my 30s. Finally, God gave me a spiritual pastor. I always tried to make connection with men and try to, I didn't grow up with a dad, you see. I, I didn't grow up with a father. I didn't have a dad. So I always wanted somebody to take me under their wing and help me. But, I, but, but all I knew how to do was pray. And I developed over the years in prayer, never got a person to be a mentor. But one day God gave me one. And he felt this leading and he took me in as a son. And he taught me how to be a man. He taught me how to be a pastor. He taught me how to live for God and have integrity and have character. And he taught me about the favor of God and being holy and living pure. This man was very successful in his life. He was, a, he was a millionaire, I dare to say, but I know he was. He showed me his real estate properties. He showed me everything, and he didn't get it from the church money. He was just a hard worker on the side. He never rested. He always worked, and he was just a good man. He taught me everything he, he knew to do. Took me into his family, brought me into the family, took me to the deer leases, and we hunted, and he had thousands of acres, and he had all these things and he was so humble he drove an old pickup truck and he had old cars and he just wore just blue jeans and a belt and a button up and he'd walk around like he was a maintenance guy you never knew who he was so humble and I'll never forget asking him and I would be with him all the time I'm sorry I'm emotional about this right here but I love this man dearly and I miss him and I'll never forget me asking him about how did he accumulate all these things that he has, and he began to tell me, I just walked with God. He didn't try to get any wealth. He didn't seek to do any wealth. He was just hardworking. He did some things, but he was just an investor, and he was very, very, very frugal. And, 
and, and then he told me one time, he said uh, we were on his property. He had about 2,000 acres. And you remember, God blessed him with all of this stuff. I mean, there are some preachers that will take money from churches and try to build wealth. That's not this church, and neither was this guy. There are just some men that just know and have favor in their life. Everything goes in their direction because they have learned how to hear the voice of God to make right decisions like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did. And it is still in the earth today. If you want to know how you build favor and wealth in your life, it comes from hearing the voice of God. And men would come and give to him. I said, how did you get all these cattle? Like, where did you find them even on his property? Hundreds of heads of cattle. He said, well, he talked with a real deep voice. He used to have a radio show in Houston, and he's talking. He had a lot of people listening. Major preachers would get his messages and preach them. John Osteen would have him over to his house, and he'd talk about his sermons, and John Osteen would preach his messages. He said, well, Brother Bobby, that one day I was at the ranch and I got a phone call and a man called me up and said the Lord told him to tithe on his cattle to me. So he started bringing me his first fruits. God just gave them to me and he showed me how to multiply. I mean, I'm not kidding. I go with this guy everywhere as we went, he'd find a front row parking. And it wasn't handicapped. I will learn. I surround myself with men like that. I surround myself with pastors like that. I learned how to walk with God because I learned how to make good decisions. And I sought for ministries. Now I've got men in my life now that are my pastors. And I'm talking true pastors and fathers of the gospel to me. And they call and they check and I check on them and we have a relationship. If I call them right now, they'd show up at this church right now and they would be here, but they're godly men. They're good men. I'm telling you, this world has got some examples out there of what they want your children to be like, but I'm telling you, there are other examples. If you look closely, God will bring you people in your life that will show you how to live, show you how to walk, show you how to make decisions. I can tell you story after story after story of God telling me to do certain things when it didn't make any six all because God wanted to bless me God wanted to bless me and you have to be humble come on Haley you have to be humble in your life if you're going to have God speak to you and you can't be too proud to be a servant uh, you know you call me pastor but the truth is I'm a servant I'm a servant to the most high God and I just want to serve him and, and, and do what he tells me to do. And I think you ought to have the right mindset as well to understand. As long as you wake up every day and make this your prayer and say, God, what can I do for you today? He's going to talk to you. He's going to tell you what you need to do. He's going to tell you where you need to go. He's going to tell you who to talk to. He's going to tell you what to say. He's going to help you begin to do things that need to be done. I don't know. Somebody needed to hear this story because I, did, I wasn't going to tell this story. But I understand. So here's what I want to close with. But God knows what you need to hear. But you can't hear if you're not on the right path. You can't hear if you're not walking in His presence. You can't hear because sin has just caused you to go deaf. You want favor in your life. You want God to open up doors. You want everything you do to be blessed. 
takes work, but it takes consistency. And here's the easy part, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best, best thing I have ever, ever done in my life. Will you stand to your feet here this Sunday? I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. That we've taken a hard right turn right now and His presence is here. I feel it all in this atmosphere. I'm going to give you a chance and an opportunity just to surrender to His presence and His righteousness. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, you need to make that decision today. If you're going down the right, the wrong path and you're following everybody and you're just giving in to the voice of the world and, and the culture and, and you're fearful of what people think, now's your your moment and your time to surrender to him and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for going down that direction. You have a better way for me. I know you do. Just begin to do that right now and tell him, Lord, forgive me. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Surrender your life like that right now to him. That's what you have to tell him. <laughs> With all the rest of you, just begin to worship. I'm telling you, if you'll just surrender to this moment, the love of God will come in this atmosphere right now like I feel it up here. You're going to feel the love of God flow from the top to the end of this room right now. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Sing it with us. Come on, falling in love. Come on, let's sing it. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.